0: Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business there's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now your BOD advocate in chief, Kimberly Selvin.
1: Well, this is going to be the most difficult intro I've ever done because I'm just so jazzed and excited about the conversation I had with Nicole Gibbons that I am all over the place. There's 12 different places I want to go. We are going to be talking about brand extensions, small ones, big ones, massive ones. What do you need to do if you're thinking that there's a side hustle in your future? Nicole is an incredible guest. She was so full of information. In addition to that, oh my gosh, she's lovely. In addition to that, her line of paints, Claire, C-L-A-R-E.com has a trade component, which is wonderful. And you can go to claire.com backslash trade to find out more about it. As an interior design professional, you're going to already get a trade discount, but if you're not an interior design professional and you're listening to the podcast, you might be a a florist or a lawyer. We have lots of people who listen to the podcast who aren't interior design professionals. You can also get a discount at claire.com when you use the code businessofdesign. You'll get $25 off your first paint order. Claire really broke down the steps To creating and prospering from a brand extension. In addition, because she has a line of paints now, she talked about the stress that most people feel when they don't have an interior design professional to lean on with choosing a paint color. And sometimes it comes down to 12 different whites and which one do I pick? I've had on my bulletin board forever this tiny little newspaper article that I cut out years and years ago. It's from Berlin. The title of this is he died for his dream home. It says, a German man was stabbed to death by his wife during an argument about which color to paint the walls in their house. The dispute flared as the man who was 53 and his wife of three decades were redecorating. Angered and frustrated by the escalating feud, the man got a kitchen knife and suggested to his wife she use it on him. Well, she did. Okay. It's not funny, but it it kind of is a good ad for hiring an interior design professional at least, right? So yes, I have just a little bit of a dark sense of humor sometimes. Something else that came up in the conversation we were having had to do with building your own social media profile. And vis-a-vis nothing, she was talking about an author who was at a Kroger uh, signing book and nobody was buying the books. Along comes this TikTok influencer and he sees this man and he says, why don't you tell me about your book? And the author begins to describe his book, which is titled Lee Howard and the Ghosts of Simmons Pierce Manor. Well, don't you know it? This influencer posted Sean Warner, that's the author, talking about his book, and the book has gone viral. Apparently, it is the number one seller on Amazon. And people are loving the book, all because some kind stranger in his neighborhood did a TikTok video with him. Anyway, it's such a feel-good story. There's a YouTube link if you go to the show notes, and the author tears up when he talks about how wonderful it was to have been discovered like this. Nothing but feel-good stuff in this episode. Oh, and good, good, good information. As always, I am so glad you're here. Episode 345, Brand Extensions with Nicole Gibbons. You're in the right place, so don't go anywhere. Quick announcements, and then you're going to meet the lovely Nicole as well.
2: Well, I will try and keep this short. couple things coming up. Uh, we do still have a couple of spots left for our BOD 15 in Winchester for those in the D.C. area. And that is happening October 25th and 26th. Uh, complete details are on the website. The wonderful Sierra Collins is going to be hosting that in her event space, and uh, she'll be doing a, a Lunch and Learn on the first day. Uh, it was so fun. I just got to participate in the Toronto BOD 15, and they're small groups. It really is group coaching style, so as intense as the learning is, uh day one, I would say, is probably the heaviest. It's very uh discussion-based. You know, not only are we talking about you know, charging for the consultation, but we're figuring out what everybody should be charging. Uh, same with the retainer. Not only what you're applying it to, but how do you figure out what that actual amount is for you? So it really is specific to your business. You know, members came, or participants rather, came prepared with questions. Uh, if they're already a member and they've sort of started implementing and they got stuck somewhere, they had questions prepared to to ask. So uh, again, it's intense learning, but it's very discussional. It's meant to be a group coaching session. Uh, that's why we do uh, keep these groups so small. So again, join us in Winchester uh, if you're able to. It's going to be a great group there as well. Details and registration are on the website. And then this week, I'm actually trying something new. Uh, I know we do a lot of promotion about uh, our members in Australia. We've got a boss group launching there. Kimberly's been there a couple times with seminars. Uh, it, it's one of our largest areas for members. But another area that's growing for us is uh, d- uh, UK. And we don't, we haven't done a lot um, in the UK yet. Uh, but I actually had a member reach out to me recently... Who wants to connect with other designers in that area? So, whether you are a longtime podcast listener and you haven't become a member yet, maybe you're thinking that our systems don't work for you uh, where you are, or you're a longtime member, past member, and you want to connect with other BOD members, community members in your area so that you can connect, talk, hold each other accountable. Um, implement together maybe. We'd love to have that conversation and we'd love to just connect you guys. So if you are a designer working in the UK, uh, join us. It's this Thursday, October 12th at 3pm BST for you. Uh, When you head to the calendar, you're going to see it as 10am because our calendar's in EST. So it will be 10am for me, uh, 3pm in the afternoon. Again, you don't need to be a member, you can be a past, present or future member of Business of Design. Uh, I will be hosting the Hall, happy to answer any questions you have specifically about uh, membership and what that looks like. But the real opportunity here is to connect with other designers uh, in your area um, who are also using the BOD 15, also podcast listeners using BOD systems, and uh, you can connect and hopefully move your businesses forward together. So I'd love for you to join us. Uh, because you don't have to be a member, you do need to register through Zoom in order to join us. So that's what the link on the website will take you to. And again, that's going to be at 3pm on Thursday, October 12th. It's only a couple days away. So make sure you sign up right away. We'd love to know how many we're expecting. And it's just a quick, you know, make make yourself a coffee, join us for that call. And hopefully we can... Uh, connect you with some other design peers who will help you accountable to move your business forward. So that's it for today. Thank you for listening and back to Kimberly. Thanks so much. Nicole, great to see
1: you.
3: Thanks so much for being here. It's so good to see you too. Oh
1: my gosh. Now I'm wondering which Claire pink color would match your beautiful shirt. It's kind of a mauve (laughs) violet color.
3: Yes, I'm wearing. I'm very colorful today. I don't know if we have a color that's quite this bright because most people don't go that get that adventurous. But um, it's kind of a shade of like I don't know. um fuchsia, maybe, is what I'm wearing. Today.
2: Yeah, that's um, a good way. So
3: I would say I don't know. One of our purples. We have a color called Prince. Uh, it's a it's a it's a purple inspired by the artist formerly known as. <laughs> yeah, of course.
1: Uh, okay, amazing. That so now everybody's <laughs> like wondering, what are they talking about? We're going we're gonna to tie this back into the paint company. But first, I want to say Nicole has had a really interesting career, started in interior design, and then has done what a lot of people have talked about doing or thought about doing, which is create an extension, a brand extension, and see where that can go. So that's really the topic. How do you add to an existing interior design business. I know in your case, you decided that you were going to let go of the interior design business, but let's just say the majority of our audience wants to keep their interior design business, but they want to add this side hustle and see how big it can go and how big it can get. So talk to us about the brand extension and what that even means.
3: Yeah, I mean for me I was operating a design firm in New York City and you know like like all, everyone out there listening, hustling and you know um grinding it out and you know servicing all of my clients and I was working on primarily residential products but occasional pro- projects, occasionally a commercial project so that might be things like model apartments for a developer or right. you know a lobby for a brand or something like that like an office lobby. But, you know, mostly residential. And I think when I, when I thought about how I wanted to see myself long term and what I wanted to be doing 10 or 15 years from now, I was always somewhat inspired by the Martha Stewart business model. You know, I loved how she took a career as a caterer yeah. and leveraged that into physical products and built this insane, massive brand that spanned media and all of these things. And so initially, I kind of had that idea in mind. I mean, Which, television by the I mean,
1: way, is still going <laughs> strong.
3: Still going. I mean, I, I actually think she's more relevant today than she has been in the last decade. Like, yeah. She has completely reinvented herself. I'm obsessed with Martha, always have been. But like the whole Snoop Dogg thing could not have been more brilliant. Oh, um, my gosh. And young people love her.
1: I know. Last time I was in Vegas, there were these humongous billboards all lit up with Snoop Dogg and a Bic uh, a big lighter, talking about you know how he would, yeah. he would use it to light up a cigarette, and there's Martha with the same Bic lighter, and she's going to use it to light up birthday candles, and I'm like, you <laughs> you go, girl, you go. Have you ever found yourself drowning in a sea of vendor logins, clicking through endless links and trying to keep tabs on all the orders for all your design projects? Well, say hello to Daniel House Club. They're not just any old club. They're founded by fellow designers who get us. They'll provide you with everything you need to manage your design business all in one place. Let Daniel House Club take the order logistics off your hands and handle the hassle. That lets you focus on what you do best, which is design beautiful spaces, right? With the industry's lowest trade pricing and flat rate shipping, which is awesome, across top vendors like Forehands, Eichholtz, and Korean Co., you can take control of your business and increase your bottom line while delivering exceptional value. Join as a Pro Plus member today and get 50% off your membership at danielhouse.club backslash B-O-D. And because this community is so important to Daniel House Club, they're extending another special offer. Top B-O-D customers on DHC currently have over $100,000 of furniture on each of their boards. Whether you've been on DHC for years or you're signing up today, add $10,000 worth of goods to your board. That's not a lot, right? And you will be emailed a $100 gift card to use on future orders. Thank you Daniel House Club. We love that. Okay. So, yeah. so you you the didn't genius. you didn't think small. You actually kind of thought really big, which is probably why you decided you're going to have to make a choice between interior design and, you know, fully embracing this new exactly. brand that you're building. Okay.
3: Exactly. And in my journey, I dabbled in media. So I was doing morning shows. I was on the Rachel Rachel fairly regularly. I booked a role on a DIY decorating show on Own, the Oprah Winfrey Network. So I was dabbling in TV, but it was all kind of like morning shows and cable, which isn't, you know, like not Martha, you know, in her heyday where she was on network television and, uh, and a total household name. And I realized that even the TV stuff is a grind. Um, And the more I tried to be multifaceted, the more I really desired to just focus on one thing. So I woke up one day and I was sort of like, OK, I am building a great career, but I feel like I've got 17 different jobs. Yeah. Uh, how do I stay focused? You know, and I intentionally kept my design firm pretty small. So I never worked on more than three to four projects a year, but they were all pretty large scale projects. I never did one room. Client, you know, client projects. I, it was always a whole home or, you know, in the, in the case of a commercial project or whatever, it might have been a a single space. But for the most part, it was, it was larger projects, um, but fewer of them because that was all I had the capacity to do. My business was always just myself, uh, a part time assistant. And then I had a bunch of freelance sort of 1099 folks that helped me out with all sorts of things from, you know, rendering the people that I helped, that would help with installations and stuff like that. Um, but it was, it was a fairly small operation. And, um, you know, when I thought about the, the original idea for building a brand, I explored licensing. And so the way that licensing works, and let's just use someone like, I don't know, like Martha, for example, usually if, if someone like that is collaborating with a company to create products, there is an upfront fee for, having a hand in the creative process and helping to develop the product. And then there's a royalty so a commission on sales.
1: So that person going to be paid those things. The thing about Martha is she's so Martha, it's hard to get past that. What if it's somebody who's not, I mean, obviously when she first started, maybe that was true. What if it's somebody who's really not well known or somebody like Studio McGee, or how do you think she started? Yeah,
3: well, so Studio McGee uh, is, a, is a great example. Maybe I'll give a few examples, uh, but I think Studio McGee, was so smart, built her career doing interior design, but really focused, I think, on building an audience. So she built up a massive Instagram audience. Um, and I think right now they probably have over 2 million followers. And, you know, at some point earlier on in the trajectory, she popped up an e-commerce site. And I think at the beginning they were just doing drop ship products and affiliate commission products and stuff like that. They weren't developing their own Studio Media home Furnishing. But as things really took off, and I think, again, she had a built-in audience to market her products to, she she started manufacturing her own products because there's obviously so much more margin in that, and it's much more profitable to make your own than to sell someone else's. So she started developing her own products. And now it's a massive brand, and a few years ago, I know that it was announced that she raised some private equity capital to really grow the business because it's one thing to build something and have it grow organically. That can take a long time. But if you're very quickly trying to grow from a $3 million business to a $30 million business, you need a big capital infusion to help make that happen. It's rare for that to be able to just happen organically. So she really, I think, made a a, a conscious choice to say, I really want to scale Studio McGee as a brand and as an e-commerce platform, so I'm going to raise capital to do so. So she did that, Then I think she was very smart. Because she said, okay, but what can I do? You know, the stuff on Student is beautiful, but it is on the higher end. So she also did a licensing deal with Target, right. which was probably structured similarly to what I described. And that way, the everyday person who maybe can't afford to drop four or five grand on a credenza or, you know, whatever, you know, all of the kind of the, the beautiful stuff that us as, as members of the trade are used to seeing, the average person isn't doing that. They're going to Target, they're going to you know, home goods or whatever. And so she, alongside her e-commerce platform that was centered on more kind of high design, higher end, home furnishings and decor, did this sort of very mass play with this licensing deal at Target, which I also think helps to really uh, position her as into more of a household thing. For sure. Um, So she was very smart. Um, On the flip side, I was literally just yesterday on uh, Sheila Bridges, Instagram, and she just launched a, um, a limited edition um, kind of like kettle with Le Creuset oh. with her Harlem Twal pattern. No, And she has done an excellent job at, you know, not building out these mass scale partnerships, but these kind of smaller brand collaborations that I would imagine are licensing based. I'm, I don't know how she structures the deal, but she's done a collaboration with Wedgwood. She did a collaboration with Converse. I bought a pair of sneakers that had her Harlem 12 pattern on them, which are like, I still have them in the box. I've never been one of those sneaker people, but I'm like, I can't wear these. So
1: oh my gosh. I'm, 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 I'm mouth, mouth open. Up. Like that's incredible. Yeah. I'm so excited yeah. about that. I want the kettle. Yeah. I'm not, a, <laughs> I'm not a sneaker head, but now you are there. You are.
3: Yeah. So I think there's so many ways to get physical products out into the world. And I think step one is figuring out how big do you want it to be? Right. Mm-hmm. Because that, that determines one path. If it's something that you want to wholly grow on your own, there there are steps to take there. And if you want to do something really massive, you know, that takes a lot of time and energy, which is why, you know, scale back from focusing on the service aspect of interior design to lean entirely into building my paint brand, Claire. But, um, you know, there's so many paths to building a brand. And a lot of times, especially in this economy, designers are trying to figure out how do I, you know, um, Uh, create new revenue streams you know how do I diversify the revenue stream so I'm not solely reliant on client work and actually one of the turning points so when I first started dabbling in design I was still working in corporate America as a publicist in PR and fashion and it was during 2008 when I set up my side hustle design business and really started um, networking and making friends in the design community and I had a day job salary so I was okay but I watched a lot of my friends in interior design. Their businesses really struggled during those times. It was the, the that was greatest a economic downturn bad time, most of our generations. Yeah, it yeah. was a very bad time. And I think that had some of those people had other revenue streams, right. it may not have, have been such a big hit. But when your revenue stream is you as a designer, and then the economy takes a turn or whatever else happens in the world, like COVID when COVID first hit, I think we recovered from that, but no one wanted anyone in their home. Right. So, you know, people were probably reluctant to hire, you know, services like interior designer or contractors or painters or whatever, because, um, It was such a scary time, and no one wanted to be around strangers. Right. Thankfully, that passed, um, and
1: we came out okay this round. As I round, ding ding, that round went pretty well. (laughs) But yeah, I remember the end of two thousand and eight really well, and it was scary. And people went from owning their own firms to working at Target or working at you know TJ Maxx or whatever. It was it was really a tough, tough time. You mentioned that there's so many paths to you know, launching your brand extension and even the the kind of size it's going to be, the kind of income it's going to earn do does every path begin with you creating your own social media following? Is that a prerequisite nowadays?
3: You know, to be honest, that's a great question. I hadn't necessarily thought of it, but I do think in order to be successful in selling whatever you're trying to sell, people need to know you exist, and having an audience really helps. It's a massive competitive advantage. Two different designers could launch the same exact business. Let's just pick something out of a hat, betting. Mm -hmm. Designer A launches a betting brand. Designer B launches a betting brand. Designer A's got 500 followers on Instagram. Designer B's got 55,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. That designer is going to be off to a a much better start because she has people who already love her aesthetic, who are bought into her as a brand, who are highly likely going to consider buying that product.
1: This is, you you, know, yeah, this is kind of true also for book publishing, you know, back in the old days, it was the job of the publisher or it was the job of the retail giant to make you a household name. But now Mm -hmm. they're like, "Mm -mm, we don't have time for that. You come to us with customers and we'll think about it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So unless you have some sort of special relationship that can help you get some sort of advantage, Mm -hmm. In today's day, even if you're just running a design firm, I think in today's era that is so social media driven, you've got to have an audience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know some people just don't like, don't enjoy that. And if you don't enjoy that work, you're probably also not going to enjoy building a brand (laughs) because marketing is really hard. (laughs)
1: Right. But you know what? It's so interesting. Like now, if you want to have your own TV show, you better have a big social media following because you're Mm -hmm. not going to get one. But the fact of the matter is, if you you want to write a book, you know, you could be an amazing author and not like the social media thing and do, you know, and really be worthy of having your book published, but it's not going to be published because you're not into that part of the game.
3: Yeah, unless you get really lucky. I just saw Mm -hmm. the sweetest viral TikTok story of this old man who spent like 20 years writing this book. He was doing a book signing at a Kroger, obviously has nothing to do with design but it's a parallel example he did a book signing at a kroger nobody was buying his book and he was sitting there all sad so some guy who happened to have like i don't know half a million followers on tiktok was like hey i'm going to put you on my tiktok tell, tell us about your book so he put it on his tiktok everybody bought the book and apparently it's an exceptional book and the <sighs> reviews on amazon are like five stars and he went from being a you know an unknown name you know who was the, kind of towards the tail end of his, his life cycle to being a bestseller. Love nuts. That. And that's luck. So unless you get that kind of luck where someone puts you on, you need a built-in audience.
1: Yeah. Don't wait for luck. <laughs> <laughs> yes. our, our advice is don't wait for luck, but yeah, it's great when it happens. If you can think of that guy's name or the name of his book, I would love to be able to share that with everybody in the show notes. So oh my just, gosh.
3: Yes. Just- it's it's escaping me, but I'll send it to you after. Okay, really
1: sweet. That's story. amazing. Okay, so number one, you probably want to think about your following, and if you know, it might be time to hire that marketing team and that PR team, and just get really serious about building your following before you launch your multi-million-dollar idea.
3: Yeah, absolutely. But honestly, to build the following, you don't need a marketing or PR team. You oh. just need. Great content that you've created. So if yeah. you're a designer, post your work every single day, post the process of your work, post the mood boards, post the before and afters, talk to your audience, engage with your audience. If you don't like Instagram, maybe you've got an assistant in your office who can can do the posting for you, but you don't really need to spend a ton of money to build an audience on social media. You just need amazing content and you need to have a point of view that you share that adds value for your audience. Okay. Um, I think those are the things that really matter.
1: Good point. Um, point. Okay, PR so, and
3: all that is yeah. great once you launch your, your brand <laughs> to the extent that you can afford it, but.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a given, you need to have a following. What else do you need to have or what, what could you have before you launch that might help you be successful?
3: A little bit of cash. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that, um, you it know, seems like I've this is personal.
1: People- it seems like that was a personal, well, like you're, you're just familiar not- with this.
3: Well, I am. I raise capital, but most I think most people build like listening probably aren't gonna be trying to raise a great a venture scale business and raising, you know, venture dollars. That just requires a totally different genre. But I know so many people who just built a company on their own, maybe they invested ten dollars ten thousand dollars or so into making a product, creating a website for it and, and growing it organically. So, you know, that's the best place to start to be honest. It's just creating something yourself and seeing if it's a market for it. Right. If it's a market for it, then your investment paid off, and you can then go and try and grow it into something a little bit bigger. Um, if there's not, then you've made, and you know, that's the risk of entrepreneurship. You have tried it; maybe it didn't work out. You're 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 not going to win at everything. And I think a lot of entrepreneurship is about failure and learning from those failures, and then turning that into learning to, to actually win during the next go round. But you need to be able to start somewhere. I, I would always recommend bootstrapping as the as the right direction for most people. But if you're that person, say like a student McGee or someone who's really cultivating an audience and a really clear point of view, you can pursue things like licensing a lot more easily. Um, There are agents out there that both specialize in, you know, helping people like, you know, interior designers and other, you know, food people, you know, who do cooking lines and stuff like that. There are people out there who, specialize and helping to create those licensing opportunities um but like anything no different than venture capital or whatever else you kind of have to pitch something that they believe can can turn into something big otherwise there won't be much upside for that agent they have to really believe that you have something that could really grow um but there are people out there who can kind of do that legwork i think of you know another um a few designers that popped into my mind. There's some incredible designers who have done some wonderful to the trade collaborations. So people like Laura Carrar. She has done amazing for herself in, yes. you know, creating um, licensing partnerships. Or um, you know, like Alexa Hampton or um, you know, there's so many like designers who are who are very trade focused and they're doing lines with Kravit and lines with Lee Jofa. And, you know, there are folks out there who know how to get you connected with those brands. Mm-hmm. Um so to the extent that there is an aesthetic that you've created um, and even people who are design adjacent. So a friend of mine, a lot of people might know her, her name is Melanie B or Melanie Barnett. She she started off as Melanie B for a long time. She was a carpet designer, beautiful carpet. Started out doing a line of cr- for Kravit. And then I think she had a personal evolution where she got really into art. She became an artist. She's doing sculptures now and paintings. And she's now doing wallpaper licensing deals. And she did a line for, don't quote me on this, but I think it was Pottery Barn
1: hmm. um,
3: through her Black Architects and Designers um, uh, uh, a Consortium. And, you know, she's just done some wonderful brand collaborations. And it's been amazing watching her expand her brand from kind of just to the trade to then, you know, like her wallpaper line is with Lulu in Georgia, for example. Um, another person I just thought of, uh, Amber Interiors. Right. She's another one kind of like Studio Mcgee, who built a fantastic uh social audience and then now is doing a line for anthropology and I, I'm blanking on all the brands, but you know, she's she's got furniture at anthropology, she's got some wonderful license licensing deals. Um that, you know, she's taking her aesthetic and And helping to sell
1: it to the masses. Yeah. Beautiful retail stores too. There's one not too far from California Pacific Palisades. It's gorgeous. So, so number one, you've got to have this idea. You mentioned you need a streamlined aesthetic. So, so you really, I think these days you need to niche and you need to know who you are and you need to have an, a, a strict point of view. I think that's fair to say as well, right? Okay. Absolutely. I I don't want to go too far down the line without getting into what you've launched. And I just, I'm just, how do we need another paint brand? How did you settle on paint? What made you think of paint? I would think that's a market that's so saturated. What made you be bold and say, no, we could do better?
3: I know it sounds nuts because when I told everybody I was gonna start a paint company people were like what how why paint that doesn't make any sense like how do you compete with sherwood williams but like here we are um and i think for me i had a very different approach my idea was i didn't necessarily want to focus on the trade i really wanted to focus on the masses again kind of taking a cue from martha stewart she took her brand to kmart you know and Mm -hmm. everybody knew who she was after that and um so i knew i wanted to build a brand that could touch hopefully many many homes across america and so I knew that it would be focused more on the sort of the DIY end consumer. However, paint has a, a massive potential um, to also be a brand that members of the trade love too. And I just saw this gap. So for the average person, I realized that going to a place like a Home Depot Lowe's or whatever was a very overwhelming experience or a Sherwood Williams store because they have thousands of colors. Um, and what I noticed is that, you know, my everyday people in my life, my friends, my family, my cousins, whatever. They'd be like, I'm trying to pick paint. Help. It's painful. I've got 35 whites to choose from. Help me pick one. But then I realized when I was actually working with my clients, they never stressed over it because they trusted me as their designer to make the choices for them. Mm -hmm. So when I presented options to a client, I never had them say, go back and bring me 35 more options just like this. Right. But the average person, when they're testing paint samples at home, they're going to look at 35 different versions of the same color. Yeah. They all look the same and it's confusing and overwhelming and they don't have the same knowledge of color and understanding of the nuances of the color that a designer does to be able to narrow it down really quickly. So I felt like for that person, and then when I looked at the Home Depot and the Lowe's and the, the, the everyday paint stores, the brands were pretty stodgy they were all 100 plus year old brands that oh, never yeah. changed
1: not and sexy so I really nothing about not that
3: sexy. is sexy that experience yeah no not inspiring and as someone who mm-hmm. lives and breathes all things beautiful i'm like why are these brands so uninspiring mm-hmm. and i really felt like there was an opportunity to create a better brand so i chose very intentionally to back on focusing on design to just build this because I was trying to build something really big. And when you're really trying to build something big, it requires a lot of time and energy. So there's no way I could still be like servicing clients while also trying to build a brand to compete with Sherwin Williams or whatever, you know. Right. So I raised venture capital. I had the idea I really focused on trying to figure out how to get product manufactured. How do you ship paint? Because the other thing is I knew that I wanted to start online because that would allow me to create something that was really differentiated. Most people are buying paint in the store. You can buy everything else online. Why can't you buy paint? So it was like, let me create the best online experience I could possibly dream up to you know, to surround this paint buying journey. And, um, you know, I focused on that. So I raised $2 million to get the company started. Amazing. And then i raised subsequent rounds of capital about $12 million in total. So, you know, we've grown a lot and that money has been, you know, invested in helping us grow, helping us expand into new product categories, helping us be able to afford marketing and reach more people. And, um, you know, that's one path. But um, like I said, there's many paths to, to building a business. And I think, um, you know, for, for most designers, it's probably gonna be more along the lines of like a bootstrapped company or, you know, for potentially licensing to the extent that you have um a, a really um sizable built-in audience.
1: But I love that you went big. I love that you said, you know, why shouldn't I jump into this game and go head to head with the big players like a Sherwin Williams or Benjamin Moore, whomever. And I'm going to go all the way. I I think sometimes we play too small. Creative professionals tend to stay small, particularly you've got, you're also a female. So yeah, yeah, you go. All right. So I can see that you want to disrupt the process of buying paint. I don't want to go to Home Depot to buy paint. That's not my happy place. Um, are Are you talking about about setting yourself up in retail stores that are more like a Target experience where Target made design a little bit more fun for the masses?
3: You know, I would love that. And I've really um, explored a lot of different retail opportunities, hopefully on the horizon soon. But I think given how complicated paint is, because we tint paint just like they do at a Home Depot and most stores aren't set up to operationalize that. So Mm -hmm. as cool as it would be to go into like, you know, a target or a, you know, an anthropology or whatever. I'd love to do that. But in order for us to really sell the product and do a good job at it, they need to, people need to be able to walk in the store and walk out with it. Right. And most of those retail uh, organizations aren't really willing to invest in what it requires to actually sell this product. So it's tough. That means we're limited to, you know, maybe a subset of stores or creating or the idea of creating our own, which is also something that, you know, could, could be down the, the roadmap, but I think that, um, you know, the biggest thing is that I, I believe that no matter what the store is, where we end up, there's just such a big opportunity to reimagine what that in-store experience is, whether it's within an aisle of a big box store, um, or an independent paint store or reinventing the future of what a paint store looks
1: like. That seems really hard because it's so locked in. You know, we it's all so know hard. what the paint store smells like and looks like. We know there's bad lighting. We know that the person helping us doesn't care which white we choose. Yeah. We, we know that it's going to be dusty and dirty and not. So you, you're going to disrupt things and create a better experience. It's interesting, this idea of online. Who wouldn't want paint to come to you online? I don't want to lug that stuff through a, you know, into my car yeah. and into the, whatever. We don't, I never buy the paint myself. It always my I specify and then the painter will go and buy it. So I guess you've yeah. got to reach those painters who are used to going to the local Lowe's.
3: Yeah. Or the specifiers, right. Who tell their painter, you know, source Claire, this color, this finish, and they'll do it. You oh, know, right. um, some yeah. painters, some painters are a little uh, resistant because they, they're the types of folks that yes. I've been buying X Paint brand for 35 years and I'm not changing. You know, there's a lot of that. So they're definitely a harder audience to win over. Um, we've focused first on the specifier. So we have a lot of wonderful interior designers that support us. I also think there's a lot of smaller kind of, um, a much smaller design firms where they do do all of the specifying because a lot of times they may not even be hiring a general contractor mm-hmm. to do, do all of the labor. They might just be hiring kind of handyman type of talent. Yeah. Um, And just, you know, in in smaller markets where there maybe isn't as much access to, you know, that high design, a lot of those folks are doing the purchasing. So, you know, there's such a broad spectrum. But I think, um, you know, we we love interior designers. Me being a former interior designer, I want to make sure that we're building something that designers would love.
1: Well, you're right. I do. The specifying of the color. So I assume that I'm going to be able to go online and get some samples from you and do that specification. Yeah. And then when I when the office purchases the paint, is shipped directly to the painter.
3: Yeah, exactly, it, or directly to the job site, or to which the is, job site. You know, sa- saves a step if, you know to the extent that.
1: Oh, I like this. I really like this yeah. idea. Okay, tell us how we can find out more about Claire and become customers one day.
3: Yeah. You can check out Claire at Claire.com. We also have a trade program. So Claire.com slash trade, and you can learn about, um, you know, how to sign up for a trade program and get access to, you know, free color tools and you know, all of that. Um, and you can also check us out on Instagram at Claire all one word. And yeah, I hope everyone gets a chance.
1: I'm so excited for you. I just want you to just blow all the competition out of the water. And I think It goes without saying, but let's just say it for the listeners. There is no easy money out there because one of the things you hear sometimes at markets is, oh, I'm just going to white label sofas. I'm just going to white label this. I'm going to slap my name on this or that, and it's going to be nothing but passive income. That hasn't been true for many, many of the interior design professionals I talk about. You have to put some attention And you have to work at this. It's not like easy money.
3: I agree. You really have to be differentiated and create, create something that's unique and special that people haven't seen before or, you know, an experience that people haven't seen before. Otherwise you're just one of many. Um, So I do think that's important to really cut through in this, this kind of oversaturated market. Um, You have to have something that feels really special. So the idea of just kind of you know, going to whatever Alibaba and putting your name on something, or right. you know whatnot, um, probably won't won't be as successful as building something from the ground up that you know you've really had a had a mark in and, and put your stamp on.
1: Amazing! I love this conversation. We like to end every episode with design intervention, just a great piece of advice you want to make sure every listener hears and can implement.
3: Um, I would say. Um, I think going back to this idea, if you're, you know, just tying with the, the topic, if you're interested in being building a brand someday, really hone in on what your aesthetic is and try to create and define an aesthetic that is uniquely you, um, because that will have much more longevity for the idea of expand, expanding into physical products than looking just like everyone else. Um, so instead of trying to be all things to all people, lean into a point of view, I think about like someone like a Jonathan Adler, right? You know what that aesthetic looks like, right? Right. Or, you know, there's certain designers where you can pinpoint their style from a Pinterest board full of images because they've really defined their aesthetic very, very well. But so just kind of try to hone in on that, who you are as a designer and what is your point of view um, and really lean into that. Because I think if your goal is to build a brand, that'll be a huge competitor
1: Well, thank you so much. It was amazing to learn more about your story. I'm so inspired and I'm so excited for you.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.